0: Well, good to see you all uh, this morning. How fun is that when we get to dedicate new young families? And and uh, I, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the even what John brings up, the point that it's not just dedicating the, the kids, it's dedicating the parents to raise them up and eventually point them to Jesus Christ. And so praying for that uh, for both of these families uh, this morning. And I'm grateful, especially on uh, Father's Day, for parents that uh, actually raised me in a household. I was uh, realizing that my mom at age... Uh, although I'm talking about moms on uh, Father's Day. But either way, at age, at age six, she was reading a Bible story uh, to me before uh, bed and talking me through what uh, it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. And at that age, I made the decision uh, to follow Jesus Christ. It's kind of a cool thing because here in August, I'm having my 46th birthday. So it's my 40th year of uh, following Jesus Christ, which is kind of a, a cool anniversary. And uh, this spring was 20 years in full-time ministry and 40 years of following Christ, so kind of a fun uh, year. As I was thinking about that and uh, as it relates to this morning's uh, message and this morning's topic and series that we've been in, uh, I was thinking about how many different people I've crossed paths with, how many different Christ followers over all those different years. And I've kind of noticed a trend. You come across some Christ followers, as you spend time with them, it's clear that they're just living a... Vibrant, dynamic life. They they have a legit, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. They're uh, leaving a mark on people's lives as they're kind of going throughout their day. They're 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 influencers. They're uh, fulfilled. You can tell that they have purpose and they're driven. Then you come across other Christ followers that it isn't exactly the same. Uh, response they're a little bit more of just kind of limping along you know they, they, they made the decision they've got the, the fire insurance uh, they made the decision to embrace Jesus Christ as Savior but they've really never if you're honest never turned over the keys to him to lead their life. And so because of that, I see a lot of lack of passion, a lot of lack of relationship, a lot of lack of influence, and it's it's kind of heartbreaking because you think about it, in this series we've been in, we have the title, The Supremacy of Christ, and really when it talks, when Paul's pointing to the supremacy of Christ, it's not just talking about the, the big picture. Like, yes, obviously he, he's the creator of all. He's the designer. He's the sustainer. All of those things. But he's also intended to have supremacy in our life. Our lives, whether you realize it or not, work best when they, when they orbit around Jesus Christ. When they orbit around Jesus Christ, it's, it's kind of fairly simple. It's an it's a, it's a either thrive or limp kind of mentality. If you, when, you're, when, you're, when your life orbits around him, your life thrives and you have purpose and meaning. When you don't, when it doesn't orbit around him, all of a sudden there's a lack of purpose. There's a lack of passion and you're looking around wondering, isn't there more to this Christian life? To be honest, when I first read this passage that we're about to go into here in Colossians, at first I I read it, I was like, oh man, it just kind of feels like a guilt trip about our lack of prayer life and failure to share our faith. But then the more I was spending time in it, I was like, you know what, this is more of an invitation to thrive, an invitation to thrive, because it goes through all these different areas that when you're doing this, your life is full of purpose, meaning, significance. When your life orbits around Jesus Christ, all of a sudden you're thriving rather than limping along. And I have that prayer and hope for myself. And hopefully as you're reading this, you are uh, driven to that same conclusion that you want that for your life as well. Let me pray before we explore the section. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time in your word and a chance to be together as a church family. I thank you so much for The dads represented here, I pray that they feel honored and loved and blessed uh, here this morning. We ask that you teach us now through this section of scripture. We love that it's so transferable to us still today, that you'd be great, I would be small. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, so Colossians 4. If you haven't uh, been here, we're just working our way through this book of Colossians. And we're actually today finishing up the very last uh, section of the book we're starting in verse two basically this is a letter that that paul wrote to a, one of the early churches in the town of colossi he had actually never been there before but he's writing to them and he's reminding them of kind of what i pointed to the the supremacy of christ that everything is to revolve around him that he is all we need and uh, the one that that drives and directs everything he starts with this charge we've been talking about he's been talking about the last couple of weeks or sections of scripture we've been in that there's expected a transformation that happens in our life a ripple effect and now he's going into that same idea and uh, it ripples into how we interact with the world around us verse 2 says this continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful and in it with thanksgiving think about that statement just for a moment the first thing that you notice is it's kind of a, a common sense thing you can't expect to have a dynamic thriving relationship with god if you don't ever talk with him if you don't communicate can you imagine me trying to convince you that oh, i'll have this amazing relationship with adrian but you know we haven't talked for a few months You'd be like, ah, that that doesn't really work. Similar for us in our relationship with God. It doesn't really work to claim that we have a relationship when there's no conversation. So that's why he starts with that. And so we thrive when we talk with him, continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue steadfastly. The first word there, continue, kind of points to the idea that it's not like a, a one-time event that some of us can think of seasons in your life. And to me, this is encouraging. It's not designed to be something where, man, that one time I remember I was talking to him, I was praying a lot, and that drifted off. He's saying to be steadfast in this. Steadfast points to the idea of endurance, to working hard at something, intentionality, a prayer life doesn't, isn't something that you just stumble upon. It's something that you put work into, and it's kind of a fun thing. The more you do it, it becomes more and more second nature, Nature becomes just an ongoing dialogue throughout the day. That's what he's inviting them to, is to be steadfast in prayer. He says, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. as. Looking up that word "watchful," and the other place that Jesus used that same description was when he was charging the disciples to stay awake right before his his uh, right before the the night that he was betrayed or the night that he was betrayed. You remember he stayed asked them to be watchful. And he's like, "What? You can't even stay watchful for an hour." Watchful is this picture of staying awake. So I think here is a little bit of a, a practical charge for us. You got to make sure you're staying o- awake when you're doing this. It made me think of a, a story from when I was in college. I went to Cedarville University in Ohio, and one of the things that they had is they had mandatory chapel for students. So all the student body would come together, a couple thousand uh, students, uh, for these chapels. I think it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and uh, they'd have different guest speakers. It was actually something we looked forward to. Uh, they'd have different guest speakers, and one of my friends was the, the student body president at the, on the campus this particular year, and it was Fairly often that he was asked to go up and speak and do some kind of a thing or close in prayer or whatnot. But one of his friends noticed that in this particular chapel this day that he had dozed off. He had fallen asleep, and, and don't don't uh, fault him because I see you guys do it too. Uh, but uh, but uh, but uh, uh, in, in that in that moment, so my friend, the student body chapel uh, president, uh, had fallen asleep. I mean, he's he's out. He must have been up late doing a test or whatever. And his buddy next to him elbows him and says, hey, they asked you to stand and close in prayer. This was in the middle of the sermon. So in the middle of the sermon, he just stands up and starts, praise the Lord, praying to close the service. The guest speaker is up there, and he's in the middle of his sermon, and the student's praying and closing in prayer. It was fantastic. It was like a... It, it was one of the more fun experiences in our uh, college. So, so anyway, the idea of watchful as being more than uh, just the practical looking for something, actually staying awake in it. I, I like the idea. I've even heard uh, John share before about he and Cheryl doing prayer walks together, something that keeps you upright, the ability to, to, to concentrate and stay engaged in this. So he's charging them towards us being watchful. And then he says the last thing in there, he says, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. Think about that as far as a conversation with God. So often we can slip into the habit of just bringing request after request after request without taking the time to say thanks when he is faithful. When he's done something good to you, Uh, parents, doesn't that drive you crazy when your kids are constantly asking you for one thing, then another, then another, and they're like, "Uh, you didn't even thank me for the last thing uh, that we blessed you with. My kids, of course, don't do that, Uh, but I've heard of kids that do. Uh, But but this picture is similar. All of this, if you start relating it in human terms, conversationally, it makes a lot more sense because you're like, oh, I I don't want to always be bringing petitions. I should also take time to say thanks. So just practical suggestions on how we thrive in our life is if you expect to have a dynamic relationship, there has to be conversation. Continuing in verse 3, another area in which we thrive, says we thrive not just when we talk to him, but also when we talk about him. It says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. To declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Stop there. Just an explanation for this idea. He's uh, continuing and what to pray about, not just Thanksgiving, but also praying for something specific. Praying that God would open doors in conversations with the people that they're engaging with and you think about that maybe you've come across somebody and man it is obvious that God has been doing a work behind the scenes in their heart you come to them and they are anxious to talk about spiritual things they're hungry to to learn they're at a place in their life where God's been doing so much kind of tilling of the soil behind the 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 scenes that all you have to do is just share truth and they're ready to embrace that that's the picture here is God's design for this is that we're to first go to him to prayer, uh, in prayer to ask for those open doors. And then when there's an open door, all we have to do is what? Step through it. Walk through it. You see, our life, if you think about it, his design as far as giving us purpose in our day-to-day interactions is to be looking for open doors. You're looking for people that God's been doing a, a work in their life. You're checking to see. And here's the thing you have to understand. We're not sitting back and waiting for somebody to bring up a question to you about spiritual things. If you're waiting for that, it's going to be a long wait. Now, some of you might be with oh, all this one time, back in 1984, this guy. No, I mean, it's not common that somebody is bringing up spiritual things. So you have to look to see how you can engage. This uh This week, I had a... Uh, interesting experience. So I don't know if you've done the jury duty thing where every day you have to call and check to see if the next day, if you have to show up. Anybody uh, do this? Well, this week was my week. And all week I was like, Lord, please, any day but Thursday. I preach on Thursday nights, the first message. I'm, Lord, please, any day but Thursday. Th- Wednesday, four o'clock, I make the phone call. Please don't call my number. Please don't call my number. I get called in, to jury duty. So I was like, "Oh, that's a, that's a rough one." So I, I show up and uh, I'm already working through this. I'm processing through this. I'm in this section about opening doors. And I'm like, "Oh God, I guess I gotta I gotta do what I'm I'm saying here." And so I I'm getting up and uh, I I'm getting up in the morning and I'm just praying. I'm like, "All right, God, if I, I'm there today, you obviously have it for a reason. Get provide an open door at least, so I have a story to tell on Sunday." And no, uh, no, I didn't really say that. Uh, Got to check some heart motives sometimes, though. Um, so anyway, so I sit down uh, next to this uh, this uh, lady retiree uh, and just chatting a little bit. And I'm like, all right, God, we'll, we'll see. And I, uh, I uh, started just asking questions, getting to, getting to know uh, her a little bit and hearing her story. And real sweet lady, real kind, and uh, getting to know her. And I'm kind of throwing out uh, what you do is kind of throw out... Uh, Things that maybe might have some kind of response that might move towards a a spiritual conversation, and I decided to uh, talk about her favorite topic. Uh, And you can usually tell somebody's favorite topic because what's someone's favorite topic them themselves. And uh, so, so as you're engaging, that's a good place to start. And so she was sharing a lot. She's sweet, sweet lady, and I was just trying to uh, say, yeah. So I'm. I'm a pastor at a church here. Sometimes that moves towards the conversation, asking about her background, what she grew up in. and uh, it, it was neat to see. Like uh, I was like, eh, maybe some open doors, and then there was this opportunity in the conversation. She was talking about her son, and she's a, he's an electrician, and oh, where's he work? And uh, she said, oh, he's he's actually working at a at a church. And I was like, ding 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 ding. There's my there's my thing. I was like, oh, interesting. I said, what's that experience been like for him? And and uh, as as we're talking. Uh I, I asked her I said what, what what was your church background like uh growing up was that part of your uh your upbringing and she she's like yeah but but you know uh I haven't been real great at going to it lately and uh kind of like some of you uh but no I'm just kidding <laughs> uh wow that was a jab uh uh so so anyway here's the here's the thing uh here's the thing I said you know what to be honest with you our life really doesn't come down to church attendance. It really comes down to what we've done with Jesus Christ, whether we've embraced him or not embraced him as, as Savior, as for, the forgiver of our, uh, of our sins. And, and uh, I said, now, uh, don't get me wrong. As a pastor, church is still important for your growth and kind of developing that, that relationship, but it really goes down to that. And she's like, huh. And then she changed the topic to something else. But, but here, here's the idea is looking for those opportunities takes Risk risk in conversation where you, and it didn't have to be painful and uncomfortable. the The idea is what you're looking for: open doors. Open doors, seeking the Spirit through the process. What, what, God, what do you want me to say to them? And when you get the sense that they're interested, then you keep going in the conversation. If you don't get the sense that there's any interest, then it's okay to move back to praying for them, that God will do a, a work in their heart. Do you see how that's intended to work? That's what he's asking us to pray for. Pray for. Open doors. If a door isn't open, that's not, that's, you don't force your way through. What's that called? That's breaking and entering, right? So we want to <laughs> avoid that. Instead, we're looking for open doors. God may open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. I like that description, mystery of Christ, because if you think about it, you hold, if you've embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you hold the answer to all the mysteries that mankind wrestles with. Every single big question. Think about that for a second. All the big mysteries that our world is perplexed by. How did we get here? Why are we here? What happens when we die? Is there a God? If there's a God, can I, can I know him? Is All, all the tough stuff that man wrestles through is what? It's found in the gospel. It's answered in Jesus Christ. He answers all of that. He created us. He, he made us to be in relationship with him. And, and there is life after death. And you spend eternity somewhere, either present with him or absent from his presence. You see, that's the description that people are starved for. So we're looking for doors to share that. So on account of which, this mystery, on account of which I am in prison, Find it in this letter, maybe you've noticed this too, he brings that up fairly often. It's kind of like, I don't know if it was a kind of a badge of honor, kind of, you know how a, a vegan, if you meet them, they bring it up every single conversation uh, that they're a vegan. So I don't know if that's, uh, that's it here or not, but either, either way, uh, it's true, uh, e- either way, he's, uh, he's bringing up a reminder that that's where he's at, he's writing this letter from. It says, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So, this mystery, our hope as a Christ follower, if you're looking for for engagement and influence in the world around you, is you have to just get so that you're really clear on the message so that when the door opens, you have the ability to communicate it to someone. Does that make sense? It's not that you have to do any convincing whatsoever. You do no convincing, you're just simple responsibility, make it clear. And here's the thing, is it can't be clear like you've practiced this timeshare presentation. That, that, that's not the intent here. You just have the big ideas that you kind of share with somebody in natural because you care about them. Because you, you're generally concerned about them. what What are some of the big ideas? Think about this, the gospel message. Hey, God, God made us to be in relationship with us, with him. But he also made us with free will. Adam and Eve really blew it with that. You know, they, they, they messed up. They made the choice to go their own separate way. This, this is just some of the basic stuff. But in God's kindness, he didn't leave us separated from him. He chose to come down, live a perfect life as an example for us, and then to die as a sacrifice for our sins, providing the opportunity to have that relationship restored. But again, we have free will, whether or not we accept that free gift. Are you tracking with me? Uh, That that, that choice is what our life really comes down to, yes or no to that offer. These are the components of the gospel message that people can get familiar with those so that you can, in a normal conversation, it doesn't have to be weird and you're looking up a, a script to read somebody, just being able to talk about those things with somebody, making sure you're able to be clear, which is what he says, which is how I ought to speak. How I ought to speak, not some kind of weird Christianese using terms that nobody knows. You don't want to ever go to someone. You need to be washed in the blood of the lamb. Like you don't use conversation <laughs> like that. Uh, that that needs uh, more explanation than you're able to give in the moment. So there we go. How we thrive engaging with people. We also thrive. Verse five, when our walk matches our talk. It says, walk in wisdom. Toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Walk in wisdom. Walk in the wisdom. That, that, that picture is that, that uh, the, the way in which we walk, walk is always a, a term used in scripture to describe the, 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 the life that you live, the way you engage, the way you uh, interact with people, is saying, do it wisely knowing that you're moving towards an outside world that doesn't necessarily know who Jesus is and are most likely not following Jesus Christ. So he's saying you have to walk in wisdom. And that picture is a consistency between our words and, and, and our actions, right? The, the, the biggest complaint that the outside world has about the church is what? They're Hypocrites. hypocrites. They say one thing, and they do something else. So if you're wanting to have an influence in the world around you, there needs to be a pattern of consistency. And I'll be honest, it's a lot easier when those two match. It's exhausting to try to live both lives. I remember my high school years, I was kind of a church kid on the weekend, and on the weekdays, I kind of did whatever I wanted. And that just gets to a point, maybe you've seen this too in your own life, you're like, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work to have one foot in and one foot out. And so in the terms of the counseling that we learned a couple weeks ago, stop it. Stop it. Stop <laughs> trying to do both. You have to stop trying to engage in both worlds, the dual existence. He says, so you're walking. Notice that the walk is towards outsiders, not away from outsiders, which is the way many of us think we're called to live. Walking towards al- outsiders says, making the best use of the time. Like that idea of just maximizing your day. I was reading this illustration uh this week. Imagine if you won some kind of a special lottery where you had uh in the lottery the money uh payout was kind of broken down where every single day you were given $86,400 into your bank account. Anybody like that idea? $86,400 into your bank account every single day. And the trick of how it worked, though, is every single day, if at the end of the day you hadn't spent it, it was gone forever. What would you do? Every single day, you'd make sure that to the penny you spent That Anybody have any trouble with trying to accomplish that? I think I'd do pretty well at it. And uh, $86,400 a day, and if you don't use it, it's gone. That's the same idea with the seconds that were given with the, I'm sorry, the minutes that we're given in a day. A minute, 86,400 minutes in every single day. If we don't use them wisely, they're forever lost. So he's challenging. Make sure you're maximizing your day. There's some kind of a purpose to it. There's intentionality in the way that you walk and engage with the world around you. Continue. Verse 6 says, like, this same idea of, of letting your walk match your talk. It says, let your speech... Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Again, along that same idea of engaging with the world, it so often comes down to our words, right? If you think about it, how are you known? How do people know you? What are the it's almost always attached to the things that we say, right? The the words that come out of our mouth is how people actually remember us, what they think about us. And, and and so he's saying you have to make sure that you're you're wise with your words. The words in which you speak. I don't know if you have someone in your life that really you look forward to actually hearing them talk because everything they say is well thought through. And well-orchestrated we have one of our elders his name's Dave Huners he doesn't say a whole lot Uh, uh he's not a real big talker but in our elder meeting when we get to actually hear from Dave when he says something you're like huh that was really wise that was that was well thought through so you have been doing something there sitting in silence you've been processing you you've been processing what you're going to say there and it's a gift to those around, we could all learn from the Dave funerals in our life to think: What before we speak is this? Is this edifying? Is this a blessing? Is this is this how Christ would interact? Imagine if we brought that back into our marriages, into our parenting relationships, into our work relationships. If you were wise with your speech, let it always be gracious. The opposite side of that spectrum, have you ever come across somebody that everything they say is just with no filter whatsoever and they just leave what? A wake of damaged relationships behind them. And they they they, they love to shout this mantra, "Well, I'm just speaking the truth." Yeah? Well, what about grace and truth? Here's the blend. That's what he's called us to. Let always for your speech to be always gracious. Gracious is this. What what do we know about grace? Grace is undeserved favor, right? Undeserved favor. So your speech should be kind and loving and encouraging regardless of whether the person on the receiving end deserves it or not. That's gracious speech. Undeserved favor. You're extending grace through your, your speech, regardless of who the audience is, you're responsible for your actions and what you say, not the person's action that you're speaking to. It says, seasoned with salt. like the idea of the, the, this picture of salt. Really, if you talk to any chef, if uh, somebody that does any degree of cooking, if there's one element in their cooking that they would never go without, it would be salt. Salt is key in cooking. But the, here's the funny thing: is when it says seasoned with salt, that's the tricky part, right? Seasoned with salt means not too much, not too little. I don't know if you guys have ever tasted something that has like, oh man, that, they put way too much salt on it. I decided we had uh, uh, last month. I don't do a lot of cooking; I'm bad. Uh, my wife's so good at it, though. I do the cleaning. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but here's the, the the way that that it worked. So I come home and we had some some fish in the in the fridge and I think I told that story about loaves and fishes and so I decided with this leftover fish I was like well I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and cook this fish up I look I, I get serious about it though I look up the YouTube videos I find this one that was a salt rubbed fish I'm like I don't even know what that means but let's try it I like salt and uh and, and so and so I'm trying to follow this thing by step by step and it had the uh, the the right portion of salt and the right whatever well, I didn't think through like percentage of salt versus fish, uh, like anything like that. So the kids, when I, they're, they're like, oh, dad cooked. We, everybody's taking their first bites. And this fish, like it, it was the saltiest, worst fish you've ever tasted. It was brutal. Dad uh, should not cook fish. And, uh, and, and I was thinking about that. I was like, so often that can be us if we're not careful. They're just just too much. Just too much. You're you're not thinking through open doors. You're just blazing through people that want to get the the message out of Jesus. You know, like not thinking through how you're being received. Is is it a nice seasoned amount? An amount that you're engaging with is so important. So a season, season is important because it still leaves impact, but you have to choose the right degree of seasoning that he's calling us to, thinking through that. He says, attached to that, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That's the intention, that you know how, that you learn to say the right thing at the right time. When we get some of this mastered, that's when God's like, man, that's when you're Thriving, that's when you're in your sweet spot. You're, you're leaving a, a ripple effect around you. You're having impact. That's part of the picture of thriving in our relationship with Christ. The difference between limping along and thriving. Last section, we'll close with this. Verse 7, I'm going to read through all the way through verse 18. It says, Tychicus, uh, fun baby dedication name, uh, will tell you, <laughs> will, will tell you, All about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we may encourage your hearts. And with Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you and mark the cousin of Barnabas concerning, concerning whom you have received for I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers of Laodicea and to Nympha and the, the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church to, of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from the Laodicea. And say to Ar- uh, Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, vegan. Uh, Grace be with you. So here's, uh, that was a lot to cover. Sorry about that. But uh, here, here's the, the picture. He's kind of closing with this kind of, a. I think of it as kind of a, a verbal group photo. Like the a, a verbal group photo. A lot of us, whenever you're at a family gathering, you're that person that's like, "Oh, we gotta capture everybody that was there." Anybody that person in the room? Uh, but here, here's here's Paul. He's he's ending, and it's kind of cool because it's been a doctrinal letter primarily up until this point. You're kind of getting a picture of everybody that's been involved in the process. He's taking time, and we're not gonna walk through every single one of those eight men mentioned in the picture here. But he's taking time to mention the the people that helped him while in prison. He mentions the unsung heroes that partnered with him along his ministry road. uh, Luke and Barnabas who we're already familiar with. But the loyalty that Paul inspired is pretty compelling. You think about that. When you think about a, a, a life where you're thriving, a life where you're thriving can't not include people. A life of thriving has to include people. There has to be depth of relationship. And if you're wanting to have influence, you have to make choices where you're engaging with people, where you're coming alongside, doing things with them. God did not intend this deal to be a Lone Ranger thing. He wanted us to have deep relationship. And so often, the difference between a life that's thriving and a life that's limping along is what? Relationship, people, engagement. People that have had a mark on you, and then people that you have had a mark on. That's God's design for the church. And so for us to thrive, we have to do this with others. You have to do this with others. So maybe in this section, a little nudge or a charge for this is application-wise, is thinking through, hey, how am I doing with just engaging and doing life with other brothers and sisters in Christ? Maybe some of us need to get off of the sidelines and start looking for ways to engage. Okay, well, here's a, a wonderful way. Man, you spend a week. Let me tell you, the bond that happens from serving side by side with people. Like I think uh, we're going into this camp week. I think of the people on the tail end of that week. They're hugging. They're loving each other. They're doing. They've just done. They've just gone to war with 250 kids here all week. I mean, <laughs> like I mean, it's it's legit. The bond that happens. In ministry, not really warring kids, but you get the, you get the picture. Uh, the, the the ministry does it creates a bond that's that's pretty special. It's pretty awesome. There's a a, a guy in our church uh, that serves faithfully. His name is Mark Guido. I don't know if uh, some of you have had a chance to uh, meet Mark Guido. He's uh, taught our fifth grade uh, students every single week. Rarely. ever, Ever misses every single week for the last seven years, and really, my wife who oversees children's ministry, she's like, "Man, he's he's one of my closest friends at the church. He's just such a, a good guy. We just saw, we, he's she's like, I can just uh, just share stuff with him. He's, I always know he's willing to pray for us as a family. And uh, this this last week on, on Tuesday, I don't know if you'd seen this in the the emails that we send out. Mark Guido, he drives uh, his car halfway to work and then rides his bike the second halfway the the, the uh, way to work and uh this w- this week he got uh collided with a, a trash truck uh, on his bicycle and uh broken femur broken leg broken uh, all kinds of stuff ribs face erect bla- brain bleeding I mean like it-, it was a little touch and go uh, for mark early on it seems like he's in the in the clear now he's in recovery he as pneumonia is the big thing he's overcoming but I was thinking about that, I was thinking about, first off, I bring that up for us to be as a church family, to be praying for Mark and Emily this week would be fantastic. But then secondly, I was thinking about that, we've just seen kind of in response to that, so many people from this body of Christ reaching out to them, engaging with them. My my wife, I'll I'll, I'll look over and she's just like, Tearing up, and I'm like, Oh, did I say something? And uh, and uh, and she's like, Oh, I'm just just qu- crying about Mark, man. Just my, my heart breaks for him and his, his family. And, and so, here's the, the reason I bring that up it, there's a bond that happens when you actually take this church thing as more than just something to come and attend, when you choose to actually do life with people. That's God's design. That's the difference between. Now, now, now Mark, we're praying, and we believe he's going to be uh, on the other side of this, back in there, teaching fifth grade kids this next fall. But on the uh, on the front side of this, man, the depth of relationship that can come. So my, my challenge for you is, what does that look like for you? What would that look like? Here's a couple suggestions, just practical things. We're just wrapping up shortly. couple practical things. Talk to somebody that you've gotten to know a little bit here. Invite them to go out for a meal together, even if it's Subway, whatever. Go the next step in relationship with people. Make choices to invest in them. Maybe it's a, a, a lunch. Maybe it's a coffee. Maybe it's a, hey, hey, why don't we just serve together? Pick up, roll up your sleeves, find an area that, hey, I can pitch in. I could do this here at the church. You will be surprised at how those relationships start to develop. When, when you hear about somebody that's struggling, here's another practical thing. Pick up the phone and make a phone call to them. Let them know you're praying. Hey, before you go, I just wanted to be brief. Just wanted to encourage you, let you know I'm praying for you. Can I pray for you before I get off the phone? Those kinds of things create bonds that are actually lifelong bonds. Here's the picture that Paul points to us, is that these were deep rooted ministry partnerships that I suggest every single one of us, still a couple thousand years later could have those same depth of relationship if we actually get intentional about it. So that's how he wraps up. He wraps up encouraging them. And kind of in the last thing, he's like, hey, make sure you pass this letter on and make sure you're having the other letters uh, passed on. They believe that the other letter he's referring to is the, the book of Ephesians. So here's the, the passing of letters, the influence that's intended to be in the, the church. And he ends with these last words. And I kind of want to wrap up with that remember my chains, grace be with you. Grace be with you. The grace of Jesus Christ is what allows all of this to be possible. He invites us to not just limp along through this Christian life, to be like, yeah, I, I made it to eternity. I didn't really have much of a relationship with Christ. I didn't really influence a lot of people. I didn't really know that many people. That, that's not what God's heart is. He wants just the opposite. He wants us to have an ongoing Conversation with Him, where there's actually a legitimate uh, relationship with Christ, and then that we're lifting other people up for in prayer, looking for open doors and conversations. All of a sudden, that brings a, a a job that's lacking purpose. to All of a sudden, having purpose. All of this points towards having a life that's full and thriving. That's what He invites us to. Amen. Let me pray as we wrap up. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this picture in this. This text, this section of scripture that shows us not any kind of a guilt trip, but an invitation to get our lives orbiting around you. I know from personal experience that when it's not, things aren't going great. When, 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 it's, when we've wandered off and you're not at the center, all of a sudden things don't make sense and things seem to be crumbling and pointless. But when we actually align our lives with you, God, as this whole, point, this whole book points towards, that changes things. doesn't mean that things are easy and perfect, but they're significant and there's substance to our life. God, we pray that we would move that direction. I thank you even as this letter closes, the reminder of what we need in this. We need your grace as we're getting it all figured out. We thank you for your patience in that. We love you and praise you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen thanks again for being here this morning. Fathers, happy Father's Day. So grateful for you. Enjoy on your way out, guys. A a hot dog. They're calorie-free. Feel free to enjoy that. And then also, just one request. If you wouldn't mind this week, just praying for all these kids running around here. It'd be awesome. We're actually praying for open doors and that God will have an influence on these kids' lives. Amen? God bless you. Have a great Sunday.